Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. this morning amen a servant of God amen an advocate for Christ amen an ambassador for Christ and if you're excited to hear the Word of God please stand up onto your feet as we welcome to the podium your father my father Reverend Gilbert Asamoah amen of your spirit which raised our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead thank you for gathering us a people of faith believing in invisible things believing that Christ indeed died and that after the third day he rose again we pray that our faith shall be strengthened by this reality and that we will will walk in this reality every day knowing that if God can raise the dead that there shall be nothing that is too dead in our lives that you cannot resurrect. Thank you for hearing us in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. It's an exciting day to think of the resurrection. And my message is entitled, Why the Resurrection Matters. Amen why the resurrection matters. Christianity is the only faith or only religion that promises life after death with certainty. Hallelujah. If you ask anybody of any religion where they go from here, 
most people will tell you, maybe, I don't know what is happening. And in some religions, when you die, you are brought back over and over again. That is reincarnation. And when you come back, you can come back as a tree, you can come back as a mouse, you can come back as a lizard, you can come back in a different form. And the reason why they need to keep coming back is because you didn't finish paying for your sins. So you need to come back. Your sins are a lot. So we need to give you so many opportunities to keep coming back. And you work your way out all the way till the circle is complete. Hallelujah. But the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after death, the judgment. So the big question is, what judgment are we going to face? But if you have met Christ and you have placed your faith in his resurrection, hallelujah, then there is a place for you to go to. Amen. Wonderful. So it's, it's, um, it's a time to be excited when you think of the resurrection. Luke chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. That is our scripture of the week. Luke 24, verses 6 and 7. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Hallelujah. So let's say together, Luke 24, 6 and 7. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Luke 24, 6 and 7. Hallelujah. And so we're going to talk about why the resurrection matters. You see, the resurrection matters not only if you are married the mother of Jesus. There's, you hope that resurrection is true because you lost your son in a very sad way. Amen. And it is good news for you that he's risen. But how about for us who lived 2,000 years from when it happened? Amen. You know, this morning I was watching Bishop Dark's message in the prophetic encounter service. And somebody, you know how on Facebook, as the, as the message is going, people write comments. And somebody wrote a comment. You know, most of the comments or 99.9% of the comments are positive comments. But somebody wrote a comment and said, I can't believe you Africans believe in the resurrection. <laughs> Amen. Such a person obviously does not believe in the resurrection, but, and I don't know what he was doing there, watching it. Amen. And then, you know, if I had a chance, I would answer him that we are not just Africans. Amen. In fact, the thing that binds us together is more than the fact that we are from the diaspora. It is because we have placed our faith in Christ Jesus. And we believe that God approved of him as the Messiah because he was risen from the dead. Amen. But be before somebody can rise from the dead, he, he has to first die. But you see, some of our brothers in the other religion, amen, because that's how Bishop introduces them nowadays. He doesn't mention their name. Some of our brothers in the other religion, who also descended from the Abrahamic, uh, they also believe that they came from Abraham. They say that Christ is not risen because he did not die. Amen. They say that Christ is not risen because he did not die. And they say that, you know, different reasons are given. Uh, they believe that he was, he's a prophet sent from God. 
but they don't believe he's the Messiah or the Son of God, which is foundational for believers. Because if we believe that he's risen, then that proves that he's not like any other man. Because there's no other founder of a religion who died and rose from the dead, or who even had the audacity to claim that I will die and rise again. Hallelujah. And so they say that, you know, at the final moment of death, you know, the, his disciples stole him away. Others said that when he was, he was just in a coma, and then he, he was fed some apples, and then he came back to life. I would like to lay hand on some of those apples. <laughs> Amen. That if you have been beaten, the way he was beaten long before he was even made to carry the cross and sent to go and be crucified. Hallelujah. So, you know, let's talk a few moments about the, the facts, the, the facts as we read it in the Bible. Hallelujah. That he actually died. The first one was that they made sure that he was dead. Like the Roman centurion, the overseer of the whole operation, he was given a charge by the Roman governor. Is that not so? That this guy, the Jewish authorities have condemned him to die. And I want to support that because I don't want an insurrection. I don't want a rebellion. Because if the Jewish people rebel, it means his, his post, his position was at stake. He's supposed to keep the peace. And so Pilate just gave in to the pressure from the Jewish authorities and had him crucified, handed Jesus over to the centurion to supervise the death. And the Roman centurion is in charge of so many soldiers. He has gone to war. He has seen many people dead before. And such a centurion who is in charge of making sure Jesus dies at the cross, he is not going to walk away if Jesus is not dead. What do you think? And in fact, when it was time for them to um, wrap up the day, because it was a Friday, the day before the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a, uh, you know, the Sabbath actually believes late on Friday evening. All Jewish holidays begins the night before. Amen. And so as the, it was getting darker, they realized that, look, let's finish this because you can't have anything done during the Sabbath. And so they started going from the two thieves that have been crucified with Jesus. You know, one here and one here. That they, won't, they, they broke their legs. If you are not dead, you know, right now you, you will die. Because they wanted them to die quickly when they noticed they were not dead. But the scripture says that when they came to Jesus, in the Gospel of John, when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. Hallelujah. And so therefore, they did not break his legs. Which fulfilled the scripture in Psalm 22 that said, not a bone in my body was broken. Hallelujah. And the Bible also says that one of the Roman soldiers, even though they saw, they saw that he was dead, he wanted to be 100% sure and he took a spear and ran through his side. Hallelujah. And the scripture said, blood and water came out. Amen. Even if he was not dead before, just that you can bleed to death after that. Hallelujah. So they actually saw that he was dead. And then after that, he needed to be buried. Right? Jewish people have very strict guidelines about the dead. So all the disciples had run away except the woman who followed Jesus and um, John the Apostle. Hallelujah. The Bible says that you had a man called Joseph of Arimathea. Is that not so? Who was uh, one of the members of the council. The council that decided Jesus' fate. But he did not agree to the decision to kill Jesus. But he had to go with the majority. The majority won the vote. Amen. But Joseph of Arimathea was also a believer. He was uh, one of the secret believers of Jesus. And then Nicodemus, who also one time came to Jesus to talk to him at night. He also went with Joseph of Arimathea and they went to Pilate 
to ask for the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. That is the second proof that he was really dead. If he was not dead, why would they go to Pilate to ask for his body? Because, see, they, you, couldn't al- you couldn't allow the body of the Lamb of God, the Son of God, to be left out in the open. Amen. So the second proof that he actually died is that you have two leading people in the, in the, in the country. Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees. Amen. And then Joseph of Arimathea was one of the, like today he will be like a congressman. Do you get it? A senator. And they went to Pilate for permission to take down the body of Jesus and to go and bury it. So that is the second proof we know that he, was, he really died. By the way, there, is a, there was a Jewish historian who also has written. I mean, you had other non-biblical sources that showed that he died. So to say that he didn't die is a falsity. Amen. And then he was laid in a tomb. And the tomb was sealed with a large stone. Hallelujah. Are you there? And his mom and the other leading men, they were witnessed. They witnessed if he was not there, they would have begged and for his body to be taken away and maybe given some, some of those apples to eat. If there is such a, a type of apple that you can eat after you are almost dead like that. Hallelujah. And then the other thing is that, you see, everybody knew that he used to say that I will die and after three days I will rise again from the dead. So the scripture records that the Jewish authorities want to Pilate. They want to Pilate and say, you know what? This guy was saying he would die and rise again from the dead. So now we know he's dead. But we don't want any type of um, tricks to be played on us. So we want you to appoint some soldiers to go and guard the tomb. Hallelujah. So they placed him in the tomb and they rolled a stone to cover the tomb. And he was dead. But then they said that what if the, that his, his disciples come and take his body away? Because if they take his body away, then they can go around spreading false rumors that he's resurrected. Hallelujah. The scripture said that they appointed soldiers. And the pilot said, go and, go and get a guard. And they, if you are pilot, the governor sent by Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, and you are the Roman uh, empire was the biggest and the greatest empire at that time. And if this Jesus was supposed to be a troublemaker. That is the accusation. He was a troublemaker causing confusion. And you have finally killed him. And you, you think that that is what is going to bring peace. And now you don't want his name to rise again in any, any circles. So that the disciples will not have the opportunity to go and take him from the tomb. And you are sending soldiers there. What type of soldiers are you going to send there? The latest recruits. You are going to send your finest soldiers. Seizing soldiers. Amen. So they sent these seasoned soldiers there. And the scripture says that when the soldiers were there, on the morning of the resurrection, the, there was an earthquake and there was lightning flashes. And, the, and an angel appeared and rolled the stone away and he was resurrected. Hallelujah. And so all of this happened in a flash. And the soldiers, the scripture also said that they, 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 they cringed and they ran for their life because of the power, the immense power that the Lord displayed in raising Christ from the dead. And so that's why you have the controversy and the difficulty. Because the soldiers saw that everything happened. And when Christ rose from the dead, he didn't appear to, him, to them and say, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. I mean, if it was me, I would have displayed that look. Amen. It would have made all the controversy settle. But you see, God is not about to impress unbelievers. He doesn't want to do a show. If God wanted to do a show, then as we are speaking, as people are doubting that Christ is the Lord, all he needs to do is let the sky open and he will speak whoever doesn't want to believe me and you speak with a big deep voice 
But you see, he wants to give you a choice. God doesn't want to use tricks to win our love. If somebody, if somebody says they love you, it has to be genuinely from the heart. Amen. If somebody, if somebody loves you because you are blackmailing them, do you get it? Like, I had somebody had a meeting with a group of people and a certain pastor in a certain church, not in this church, but a certain church. Amen. He says, Pastor Charles, not our Pastor Charles, another Pastor Charles. He called the people, he said, say after me. Dear Pastor Charles, then they said, dear Pastor Charles, we love you. And then they said, we love you. That type of love is fake. Is that not so? So God does not want to force us to love him. So he gives us choice. Hallelujah. But then the scripture says that the, 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 the soldiers that were guarding the tomb, when they realized what has happened, they believed that he had risen. They believed a great power has been displayed. The angel and the lightning and everything. But then their job is on the line. Do you get it? That is the reason why you were sent there to guard the place. So the scripture said that when they told the Jewish authorities that he is no more, they can't find him in the, in the tomb. And uh, an earthquake. They, when they recounted the whole story, the Jewish authorities realized that we have made a mistake. Have you met someone who has made a mistake but never wants to acknowledge they've made a mistake? Yeah. Sometimes you want them to apologize, but they will never apologize. Amen. And they pretend there's nothing wrong. So the Jewish authorities, because to say that, to acknowledge that we have killed the Messiah, the Jewish people would revolt. You have killed our Messiah. So they also went. They told the 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 the, um, the soldiers. They bribed, The Bible said that they bribed them, for them to say that. Whilst we were asleep, his disciples came and stole his body. Mister Ivan, does that make sense to you? Whilst we were asleep, if you were asleep, how did you see? And if you were not asleep, why are you saying that? What if you are not asleep? Why couldn't you prevent the body from being taken? Hallelujah. And so all these things point to the fact that he actually died. Now let's move on to proofs of the resurrection because this is very important. Why is this important? We are in an era where people speak about spirituality without Christ. You meet somebody who say, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe in any religion. I don't believe in any, but I'm a spiritual person. Jesus said, anyone who enters the, 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 the sheepfold but does not pass through the door is a thief. Amen. Anyone who wants to have any type of spiritual experience and rise spiritually, because even the New Age movement and other type of uh, religions, they teach things. Some, sometimes you can chant and meditate. You get it. And you gain a type of spirituality. I had a story of uh, somebody invited, um, I think somebody, they had a daughter and then, and then they had a, a daughter's boyfriend visited them. And while they were having dinner, the boy started to chant. And he and he was elevated from the <laughs> from the chair. He said, "What are you doing?" He said, "These are some of the powers. I wanted to show it to you. Look, you are a child and you are inexperienced. If you think there are no powers here in this world, are you listening to me? But I'm telling you that you see, when you talk of powers and spirituality, there is the true source and there is the false source. Amen. If you have any experience in spirituality or powers or or, or developing yourself." But it is not through the door of Christ. That is fake spirituality and the power coming from a dark source, from the source of the devil. Amen. If you meet anybody and they say, I'm a spiritual person, but they don't want you to mention the name of Christ, it's a dangerous situation. I went with a friend of mine to 
she was he was going to see he was chasing a certain lady and i went with him <laughs> he said accompany me so we went and the ladies uh, i think the lady's auntie was a a priest a type of a priest a priest of a certain church amen so when we went we were waiting in the in the porch and there was a cross in the compound of the house it's, it's a house as well as a church have you seen some of those places before whereby the priest lives there but the people also come and worship and go amen so they had a, they had a, 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 a cross that has been painted white so if you see a cross painted white what does it tell you Jesus is here. It's like a Christian place. Is that not so? Yeah. So we thought we were in safe company. So as myself and my friend, we were talking. We were, we were both believers. And we were talking. And we, we, we mentioned Jesus Christ. And the girl that my friend was chasing said, Here, you can't mention Jesus Christ. I beg you. I said, my friend, let's go. If we can be here and you cannot mention Jesus Christ. I said, then what is the cross for? The lady said, Shh. My aunt is coming. <laughs> the aunt was the priestess. Amen. So you see, there is a power and a spiritism that is available for whoever. But you see, your soul, Satan is looking for your soul. And Jesus gave us a warning that if you have a sheepfold and there is a door and you don't want to enter through the door, but you want that through other means, you are a thief. People are trying to enter into the spirit world without Christ. But Jesus is the door, the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? So, proof of the resurrection. The first proof is what? The empty tomb. Amen. He was completely dead. And even if before the cross, they had beaten him until he was so weak. Amen. So, the empty tomb is the first evidence that he rose from the dead. Because there were soldiers guarding the place. Hallelujah. The disciples or nobody could have come and to steal his body. The second proof was the fact that there were soldiers guarding the place. The finest men. Amen. And then you see, in this country, one of the things, if there's a murder, right? If you see somebody has been killed, the investigators, do you know one of the first things that they look for? Like, like evidence that there has been a murder. The body, yes, thank you, Sister Elizabeth. The body is one main evidence. You have to find the body. In fact, when somebody is lost and they are looking for the person, um, we, we can't find the person. You know, initially, it's like a search and rescue mission. Is that not so? Then at a point when they can't find the body, then sometimes they find evidence. They find evidence, maybe the person's clothes, are with, uh, they find the clothes with blood in it. We find different things that they were using. All those things are suspicion that the person may have been what they have been some foul play but until you find the body there's no conclusive evidence that there has been a murder or there has been a homicide are you listening to me and so the the fact that no one could find his body okay no one could and now let, let me go take a step back we are looking at the greatest empire at the time the greatest kingdom at the time with all the full force of the Roman Empire. They would have searched from house to house. They would have done everything and anything to find a body. Hallelujah. But they couldn't because they could not find a body of a dead man because he was no more dead. He had risen. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? These are all proofs of the resurrection. Okay? And then, besides all that I've said before, there were also eyewitness accounts. Hallelujah. 
there were eyewitness accounts. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 15. Because you see, when you are trying to build a case, a legal case, one of the things that helps your case when you have eyewitnesses. Amen. And with the eyewitnesses, if it's only one person, if it's only one person, you may say that, oh, that I mean, they may be related to the person or the person may be making it up. But when you have, that's why in the Jewish tradition, two or three witnesses were needed to convict somebody. Hallelujah. Because when you have two or three witnesses, you know, the chances of collusion are less. Hallelujah. But here, as we are going to see, Apostle Paul, many years later, was making a case for the resurrection. He emphasized how many people saw the risen Messiah. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive, in which you stand. Hallelujah. The gospel is the good news that Christ came to die for our sins. And then he was raised on the third day to justify us. Okay, verse 2. By which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Now, why am I preaching about why the resurrection matters? You see, other religions, they also teach, be a good person. Is that not so? Have you had any religion that they, they encourage murder and, and, and stealing and taking somebody's husband, taking somebody's wife? No religion will do that. So when, if it, it comes down to morality and being a good citizen, being a good person, all religions teach, teach that. But the truth of the matter is that people have been hearing this for years, but people have not been able to obey it. Amen. But you see, when Christ was raised from the dead, a new dispensation came into existence. A new era was opened for man that now God has come to earth with help. When you are doing something and it's so difficult for you to do, when you get help, you are able to do it. If God raised Christ from the dead, then he is divine. That the divine one has come to earth to help us. That we are not left to our own devices to struggle to do what is right. Hallelujah. So that this is something that is only offered in Christianity. That a person's God can come and live in them. That a person's God can give his spirit and that you and God can have one-on-one. -on -one. Hallelujah. Okay, verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We are going all the way to verse 8. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Cephas is who? Peter. Okay, that's the Hebrew Aramaic version. He was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over how many people? 500 brethren at once. Hallelujah. You see, if an event happens, like about how many people are here? Maybe 50. Okay. As I'm standing here, if an angel or something appears here, do you get it? And later, all of you see it and you are reporting. It is going to be much more believable than if somebody says, Rev, as you were preaching, I saw an angel, he was following you. People are going to begin to analyze the person. Is this person all right? First of all, what has been the person's behavior for the past week? Do you get it? Somebody said, oh, yesterday he said he saw three monkeys jumping around here. Another person says, yesterday, the other day he said, so the, what, the moment you begin to analyze, if it's one person, it's difficult to establish proof. Do you get it? But if all of you say that you saw an angel, Columbus dispatch cannot refute the story. Amen. What are the chances that 
you and you and you have colluded and met in a secret place and discussed that you know what today when we go to church let's all pretend we saw an angel some of you even at a certain time of day when you are called you won't pick up your phone if somebody is calling you to do such a plan with you you, you will not pick up the view you will pick the phone you say, that's the, the trick you do to show people that you are, you are tired and you are asleep. So, so um, it's a signal that I don't want to talk. <laughs> you know that one? Five, more than 500 brethren at once. It's not an individual. So, so see, by the way, this was not recorded by the four Gospels. But later it was revealed to Paul. Hallelujah. Because Paul also met Christ. Did you know that? Which he's going to mention. Then Paul, he said, even as he's writing to the Corinthians, keep in mind, the Corinthians were not Jewish people. They were Greeks. Amen. When Paul left Athens in Greece, when his people didn't receive, they didn't receive his message very powerfully, he went to Corinth. And he preached there and established a church. And later on, he's writing to them. And as he's writing to them, people are beginning to have questions about the resurrection. And he's telling them, look, I know what I'm talking about. He said that of the 500 people, majority of them were still alive. But some have fallen asleep. In other words, some have died. Amen. In other words, if you are a Corinthian and you are in doubt, you can buy a plane ticket and go to Israel and go and meet these people if you really are serious about it. Next verse. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Hallelujah. Because Paul also saw the resurrected Christ. So this eyewitness account is also one of the major proofs of the resurrection, which you cannot deny. That if Christ, after he was raised from the dead, perhaps he did not appear to the Roman soldiers. He did not appear to Pilate. It would have been nice for him to appear to Pilate or Caiaphas, the people who crucified him. But if he did that, these people would, out of fear, follow him. But you see, God wants you to believe in him from your heart and out of love, not out of fear. Amen. So Paul is the last person in this series who met Jesus. And this eyewitness account of the resurrection is proof that he really rose from the dead. Now finally, the eyewitnesses who met Jesus, their lives were changed. So eyewitness account goes a long way to prove the resurrection. But then beyond the eyewitness account, the behavior of the eyewitnesses. Amen. Because if somebody sees a ghost, right? If somebody, may it not happen to any one of you, like you are going to the restroom. <laughs> Amen. You are going to the restroom and then as you, you open the other door, you begin, you hear shouting, hey, 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 and you start running. And we ask you why, what has happened? Then you say that somebody you know who is dead is standing over there. Do you get it? Of course, there could be many different things, but the point I am making is that even if we don't believe that you saw a ghost, a dead person who is there, even if we don't believe that, by the mere fact of your behavior, can we conclude that you saw something? Can we conclude that something happened to you? So that, you see, if they met, they saw the resurrected Christ and there was a change in their behavior, that alone means that something has really happened to them. Because you cannot see somebody that you saw dead. Somebody that you saw, they arrested. And then the person, the person has risen from the dead and then your life is still the same. No, it cannot be. And so, of all the eyewitnesses, the disciples 
the way their life changed. And Paul himself, who wrote this epistle, is an example. Hallelujah. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was somebody who was having Christians arrested. In fact, when they were, when they were stoning Stephen to death, the first Christian martyr, Paul was standing there supervising his death. Hallelujah. And Paul is not somebody who didn't have a job. Sometimes, you see, when, when people think that to preach, people who don't have anything better to do is who, who preaches. Amen. Like the, the, the um, father who brought his son to the Bible school uh, principal, the latter Bible school principal, and he said, this is my son, we don't know what to do with him. His brother, this one is an engineer, this one is a doctor, this one is this, but this one, we don't know what to do with him. And everything he says is a lie. If he tells you, go, it means come. If he says come, it means go. The only thing I believe about him is that when he says good morning, because I can go and look outside and see it's morning, so I can believe it. So what do we do? Some people think that such a person, but of course, the Bible says that God can use the foolishness of the world. Amen. But it does not also mean that it does not also mean that people who are very endowed with intelligence and endowed with wisdom and endowed with, with, with all the things that the world is looking for, it does not mean that those people can also not be preachers. It cannot also not work for God. Hallelujah. God choose, God deserves the best. Hallelujah. God deserves the best. So don't think you are too good for God. God has called us to preach the glorious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may have all the things, but God needs you too. Hallelujah. And why am I saying that? Paul was such a person. Paul was a learned man. He, was, he attended Harvard in those days. He was working with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gamaliel, who had won Nobel uh, uh, Prize for Theology and other things back in those days. But when God called Paul with that appearance on the road to Damascus, he did what they call, uh, what do you call it? 180 degrees. Because even though he was opposing Christians, now after he met the resurrected Christ, his behavior changed. Hallelujah. He began to preach for the one he was preaching against. Now you think about it. For somebody who doesn't have anything else to do, who doesn't have, if he doesn't, if somebody, uh, if he doesn't preach, he will not eat. If he's being fed from preaching. Maybe you could argue that, but somebody who had a secure job, who had a secure job in the temple, why would he, in, 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 in a normal human reasoning sense, why would he give that up for a dangerous lifestyle of preaching Christ? The same one who has just been crucified. If Christ was not risen, why would Paul now put down his mission and put down his job and his career and all the prospects that he had to have a future and now to begin to preach somebody that everybody is against and then the government has had him crucified. Does that make sense to you? That is one of the major proofs of the resurrection. If Christ was not risen, if Paul did not meet the resurrected Christ, it would not make sense for him to put his life in danger. Amen. He was not just forfeiting his salary, his secure job, but it was also a dangerous thing to risk your life for. Because people who preach Christ were being arrested. In fact, James, the brother of John, his head was chopped off. Amen. And if you want something to do, preaching Christ was not one of the most things that the, the newspaper was reporting, uh, 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 you are applying for jobs. It was not one of the best jobs to apply for in those days. It was a risky job. Hallelujah. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That is one major proof of the resurrection. And so now, having said that, 
Why does the resurrection matter to you personally? Number one, the resurrection was the ultimate proof that Jesus was who he said he was. Amen. The Son of God. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Let's look at that. Acts 17 and verse 31. The resurrection was the ultimate proof. We are talking about why the resurrection matters. It was the ultimate proof that Jesus was the Son of God. He said, because God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Stay right there. This verse is very telling. That God, he, capital H, means God the Father, he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. See, don't be discouraged by what is going on in the world. Sometimes injustice continues. And sometimes it seems like people are getting away with a lot of things. But this is not all that there will be. Hallelujah. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day. It is appointed unto man once to die. And one day everybody will stand in judgment. Hallelujah. You will not stand in judgment as a group. Did you know that? Even husband and wife, you will not stand in judgment as husband and wife. You will stand as individuals. And the evidence, he said that he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Which man has God ordained to judge the world? He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the Father Christ rose from the dead, proves that he is a man like no other. Amen. That's the first reason why the resurrection matters. You cannot ignore Christ no more. If you used to ignore him, you cannot ignore him no more. Because all the evidence points to the fact that he rose from the dead. Think about it. If Christ did not rise from the dead, how could Christianity survive after 2,000 years? Do you know how many attempts people have made to try to kill Christianity? There were people who banned the Bible, the publishing of the Bible. People tried to translate the Bible into local currency and they were executed. They were burnt at the stake. Amen. People said that after I die, people wrote books to poke holes into the scriptures. Listen to my message in the Tuesday services where I'm preaching about backsliding. And the evidence of people who used their mind to fight Christianity and how they died. And one of them, when he, after he died, his home became a place where they sell Bibles. After he fought the Bible so much, his name was Voltaire, a Frenchman. After he died, many years later, his home has become the, the place where they, they, they publish Bibles. Hallelujah. So people have fought so hard against the faith, but it has stood because there is something really behind it. Are you listening to me? Why the resurrection matters? Number two, Christ conquered sin, death, sickness, and the power of the devil. If Christ really rose from the dead, and which he did, then he has conquered death. Is that not so? He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. Because sin is actually the one that gave birth to death. Death came into the human race because of sin. The sin that started with Adam and Eve, which continued throughout the generation, that sin is what caused death to come into the human race. Hallelujah. And every human being is afraid of death. I mean, if somebody is going to do something bad to you, what is the worst they can do to you? Kill you. Are you, is that not so? That is the worst they can do to you. And a lot of people will talk 
make a lot of noise. But when it comes to dying, it's not that easy. When, when it comes to a matter of life and death. There, there, was a, there was a certain professor, an atheist. And he used to argue. He used to argue against Christianity. And, and he, would, he, he had very strong arguments to confront a, a Christian and to try to belittle your faith. And if you are not well trained, you wouldn't be able to face him. So, and he was speaking about how everything is all relative. There is no absolute truth. Do you get it? So your truth, keep your truth to yourself. I would also keep my truth to myself. Is there absolute truth in the world? I mean, like, like, brother Eugene, what are the colors that he's wearing? Please stand here. You are modeling for us. What are the colors brother Eugene is wearing? Black and white. Brother, where's brother Kweku? Brother Kweku, you see different colors. You see different colors. What colors do you see? No, no, not Kweku. Look at Eugene and tell us the colors he's wearing. Purple and gray. So you see, that's what the professor is saying, that you see black and white. I see purple and gray. Your truth is black and white. My truth is purple and gray. You can't force your truth on me. That is the argument this professor is making. So therefore, if you say Christ is the only way to, and I also have Muhammad uh, Gandhi as the only way, what do you do? So there was this um, Christian theologian and apologist. Amen. His name is Dr. Zachariah. He met with this, he met with this atheist uh, challenger of the faith. And they met for lunch. I, I won't bore you with all the details, but I'll just give you the sum of it. So as they were talking, the, 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 um, by the way, this Dr. Zachariah, he also, he went to Oxford. He's also very intelligent. Do you get it? As they were talking, he said, you have a point about truth and everything, but let me ask you a question. He said, if you are about to cross a road, you know how they taught us, if you are in a place where they drive on the right way, right? Like here. Where are you supposed to look first? They say, look left, look right, and look left again. Is that not, is that not what they taught us? Yeah. So, so, so as you are about to cross a, a, a big road, he's, he's asking the atheist. And then you look left, nothing is coming. Then you look right, nothing is coming. Then you look left again, and there's a big truck coming at full speed. And you're about to cross, and you have seen it. It's coming. Can you say that your truth is telling you that there is no truck, and you are, you are about to cross, you will cross it? Because, because what you are seeing is not real. Are you, are, you, are you following the argument? Can you, if you see that truck coming, and can you at that moment say that you will pretend that thing is not real because it's only in somebody's imagination? Are you about to risk your life? And so when they started talking, and when it came to the matter of life and death, because the guy had a lot of academic intellectual argument. You can meet people who make a lot of academic intellectual arguments. But once it comes to a matter of life and death, like if it is about to touch their skin, then they will, they will own up. The man said, uh, I'm not about to test whether the, 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 the truck is real. I'm not about to test it because I love, I love my life. I love, I love to eat sugar and drink coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> amen. Are you listening to me? 
It's not everything that is subject to debate. There are some things that are subject to debate that you can share your opinion on. But sometimes there is the only one where the only reality is that the truck is coming for your life. And you will go, you will go, you will go to hell sooner than you imagined. If you step on that road with that unbelief and say that that truck doesn't exist and it's only in your imagination. But you see, if you study astrophysics and cosmology, do you get it? So those of you who are interested in that, Einstein and Hawkins and those people. I mean, we do, I don't want to go into details, but do you know that? Do you know that there is no absolute distance in space? Space and time are linked. Hallelujah. So, I mean, for our everyday, everyday, as we are talking every day, we don't think about this things much. But when you go to higher levels and you are you are defining the position of something, it's difficult to define it. You have to always define it in relation to something else. Hallelujah. But you see, the reality is that it's not everything that is like that. If something is black and everybody is saying it's black and you alone say you see gray, they would either take you to the eye doctor or they would take you to see a psychiatrist. There are some things that are not just negotiable. Are you listening to me? Are you following what I'm saying? And so the change in the lifestyle is absolute evidence that the resurrection really happened. Because when it came to a matter of life and death, these people were willing to risk their life for something they believed in. Okay? So, that number one, the resurrection, why does the resurrection matter? Number one is what? It's the ultimate proof that Jesus was who he said he was. Number two, by the resurrection, Christ can get sin, death, sickness, and the power of the devil. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Trying to hurry up to finish three more points. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that is Christ shared in our flesh and blood. Do you get it? That through death, Christ might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So through Christ's death, he destroyed the one who had the power of death. By testing it, he overcame it. In, okay. And released those who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. So the fear of death is the source of the bondage of human beings. People are bound because we are afraid to die. But if Christ has overcome death, hallelujah, then you can risk your life for the right reasons. Hallelujah. So, this is the second point why resurrection matters. Number three, Christ was raised from the dead for our justification. He was raised from the dead for our justification. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 16 to 19. First Corinthians 15 16 to 19. For if the dead do not rise, because Paul was arguing to emphasize that the dead actually do rise. If the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. So your, the forgiveness of your sins is dependent on the fact that the resurrection actually happened. Because the resurrection happening sealed the fact that he was the Messiah. He was the son of God. Because people have been dying all along. 
People have been crucified all along. Anybody at all could have been crucified around that time. The only reason why Christ is unique, that you can place your faith in him, that his, his blood can cleanse your sins, is because he rose again from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, then he would have died like anybody else died in those days. Hallelujah. So Paul is making the argument that if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So the resurrection matters because it is actually what seals up the deal. Christ died for us, shed his blood, but the resurrection is what confirmed who he was and actually certified that he is the son of God whose blood can wash away our sins. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ is not risen, then people who have died in faith in Christ, they have perished because there's nothing there. Hallelujah. If in this life only, this verse is very important, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men the most pitiable. If in this life only, if you don't believe in the resurrection, if all you look for is to, to be blessed, to receive uh, something in this life only, and you don't believe that after death there is something, and there is a resurrection, it says that the we believers, we are the most pitiable. We are the most miserable. Because people who are unbelievers, they are blowing time and enjoying the world. Is that not so? And you have denied yourself a lot of things. Well, by the way, a lot of those things, by the way, are going to get you sick anyway. They are going to send you to your grave quicker anyway. But sometimes, the people are using dubious means to get somewhere. But you, because of your faith, you are not doing it. Amen. But you see, it's because you see that this life is not just about here and now. So the resurrection also points to eternity, that when somebody dies, that's not all that there is to it. Because of the hope of eternity, and because of the hope of when somebody dies, they're going to live again. That is also strength for us. And also gives us hope that, look, we are not just miserable. We are serving a living God. Amen. Next one. First Corinthians, same First Corinthians. Uh, next verse, verse 20. Down. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. First fruit means the first one to come. Do you get it? So if Christ is the first fruit, the other people who are believers who have fallen asleep are what? Second fruit, third fruit, fourth fruit. So in other words, the resurrection of Christ is a prophecy that everybody who believes in Christ who has died, if you have a relative who believes in Christ who has died, that's not the last you have seen of them. It is encouragement for us. Hallelujah. The resurrection matters because it signifies to us that Christ being the first fruit, there are others that will follow. Everyone who has died in Christ will resurrect one day. Hallelujah. And then the last one, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Amen. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So, his resurrection means everything in our lives that can be, bo- that ha- can be brought back to life. Or everything that is dead in our lives can be brought back to life. Hallelujah. So, in other words, the resurrection is not just, the previous scripture spoke about our future resurrection of people who had died. Hallelujah. Which one day all of us will die if the Lord tarries. Amen? And there is good, it's good to hope in resurrection. But this scripture is pointing to the here and now. That if Christ raised, if God raised Christ from the dead, 
And the scripture says he was raised from the dead by the Spirit of God. Another place says he was raised from the dead by the glory of God. So that if you believe in Christ, after you believe in Christ, the Bible said the Spirit of Christ comes to live in you. So that you are no more a natural person walking around. You are not, they have a saying to what? To err is human and to forgive is divine. <laughs> but you are not just human. You are part human and part divine. Because the Spirit of God lives in you. And what does that do for you? Are you going around carrying a heavy load of God in you and it's just a heavy load? He's there for a purpose. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that is, if you are a believer, the one who raised Christ from the dead, he will also give life to your mortal bodies. In other words, in the here and now, the presence of the spirit of God can help you overcome even physical weakness. Hallelujah. So the resurrection matters because if Christ was raised from, if somebody is completely dead, I don't know whether you have seen somebody who is dead before. Look, it is one of the most hopeless of situations. I told you my story the other day of how a friend of mine had a nephew who had died. And he talked about his nephew with so much endearment. And this friend was a co-worker, an elderly man in his 70s. And actually not his nephew, his grandchild. And the way he spoke of him and how the boy's life has ended so quickly, I felt so sad for him. And I went to my basement and began to pray. Sister Eunice. I said, dear Lord, you raised Lazarus from the dead. Are you with me? Salinda, are you listening? <laughs> so would it not be nice that you use me to raise this young man from the dead? So I prayed and I believe the Lord has sent me. And it was an African-American church where they were having the showing of the so I arrived confidently. I stood at the back and you know they have a place they show you how to go. So as I was going, I was praying to And I'm waiting for a word. I'm waiting for the moment. Do you get it? Because when you are ministering, you need to hear the voice of God. You need to, you need to hear the, 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 the right moment to strike. So Brother Eugene, I, <laughs> I was praying in tongues. And then as I approached the casket, Sister Elizabeth, something, something came over me. It's like, it's like I saw the body there. And it's like, it's, it was like, forgive me, excuse me, it was like rubber. It was like, it was like not a person. Do you get it? And all my faith vanished through the window. <laughs> Amen. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. One day I will raise the dead by the grace of God. I stood there and I just, you know how when you go, you stand there, pay your respects, and you walk away. Is that not so? So I took a little bit longer because I was debating within myself. <laughs> Do I have faith for this? Or all my faith vanished. Then I started. And the thing is that, the thing is, the good news is that I'd not even discussed with my wife. Nobody knew this plan. Do you get it? Nobody knew this plan. So nobody could judge me and say, you couldn't do it. I just balanced quietly and went away. But Bishop Dark, he said, Bishop Dark said that on two occasions, he tried to raise the dead. In fact, the second time, a friend of his, I think his father or uncle had died, and they said, we believe, we hear you are a man of faith. They brought him. And he said he couldn't raise the dead, and the people, the Allah boys in the neighborhood nearly beat him up. <laughs> and he said he had to run away. 
But years later, years later, years later, there was a, 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 a little boy who was dead that the mother brought him to, a, how do you call it, to a crusade, and the boy was raised from the dead by the power of God. So that I am beginning, don't laugh at me. Amen. Look, one day there was a, a bed in our, in our workplace uh, uh, parking lot. And the bed had been trapped, had been trapped in the parking lot and didn't know how to fly out. So the bed was struggling, struggling, struggling. And I had pity on the bed. I said, Lord, show the bed the way out. Because as it tries to fly, then you go and hit the concrete this way. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, show the bed the way out. And the Lord was not answering the prayer. And finally, I think when I, uh, by the next morning when I came, the bed was dead. Lying there. I said, Lord, this one you are going to do it. <laughs> I said, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will quicken your mortal body. In other words, the spirit of God has now made working with God relevant in the here and now. It's not everything that is supposed to be in the future. Some things have to be here and now. But you see, if somebody sees you standing around a dead bed and going about shabala, blah, 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 they might call security. Or they might call your boss and say that, hmm, it appears Gilbert, there's something going on with him. So, I couldn't stand by the bed all the time. So, I walk around and I'll come back and I kept praying, I kept praying. And at that point, the bed was not rising from the dead. I had to go to, I had to go to work. I had to leave the bed and go. Do you get it? So, as I was going, I said, Lord, this bed must live. And so, I walked away. And then a friend of mine later told me, that they passed by the place, the bed was not there. So Gilbert, I think the Lord raised the bed from the dead. And I was thinking, somebody was saying, hmm, what if the janitor took the bed away? But we are people of faith. We are not supposed to lose heart. I would rather take option one, Sister Cynthia, I would take option one, that perhaps after I walked away, the Lord raised the bed from the dead and they walked away. Hallelujah. Are, are we people of faith or what? Put your hands together unto the Lord. Rise up to your feet. We are going to have communion. Everything dead in our lives is coming back to life. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, the night before he was crucified, he took bread and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which shall be broken for you. And the Bible also says, shall we have the elements of communion, please? The Bible also says that he took the cup and then he said, take, drink. This is my blood in a new covenant which is being shed for the remission of sins. The Bible also said, Jesus also said that he that he that eateth of my blood, drinketh of my blood and eateth of my body has become one with me and shall have life in themselves. Hallelujah. So we believe that after we pray, this is no more just bread and wine. This is actually the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we are one with him, then whatever cannot affect Jesus should not be able to affect us. Hallelujah. Our dear Lord and Savior, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We lay our hands on this. By faith, we pray that as we touch them, Lord, it becomes by faith the body and the blood of our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.